Turn the monitor around me. I'll turn, in fact, I'll turn it around right now. So I can get some monitor here. Hallelujah. <coughs> Praise God. Praise the Lord, everybody. I said, praise everybody. I'm in the house of the Lord. Praise God. Don't miss next Friday. Next Friday is couples night. Bring your loved ones. Now don't forget, if you got no partner, bring Jesus with you. Couple up with Jesus. He's the bridegroom. Don't forget his title. He's called the bridegroom. He's the nameless bridegroom. Come along with him. Praise the Lord. Amen. Get this on camera, please. Don't miss that. Sister Kim, you don't want to miss this. I'm telling you, this is finger licking good. <laughs> Acts twenty six twenty eight. I'm going to read Acts 26 and verse 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Tonight, make sure you get this in your resume on your credential that you have been to this service. Better make sure it's on your resume. Harvard and Oxford and Cambridge are going to give you credit for it. When you tell them what happened, if they don't believe it, play it for them. And I promise you, the professor and the scientists and the, all the educationalists are going to tell you this is a wow wow. Tell the person you're in for a wow wow. A wow wow time. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I've been thinking about this church. You may be seated. Now, you precious folks in the sound room there, God bless you in there, but I hope you don't miss out on anything. You need to hear everything I am saying. Because this is going to determine whether you make it or break it. Amen. In the natural world. You see, we, got, we have to live on earth. We're earthlings. And we call this life under the sun. Above the sun, this Bible is totally relevant. This Bible has no message for nobody in heaven. Hello? There's no scripture written for anybody in heaven. This Bible is literally... <coughs> Written for life under the sun. What's the life under the sun? Paul is standing before a king. Most people would have been intimidated by the title. He's a king. He has authority. He's got power. He's got soldiers. He's got reputation. And Paul is before him as a prisoner. It is self-evident that the Apostle Paul, whatever was doing, he was not afraid of the king's palace. 
He was not afraid of the king's power. He did not go into a mental paralysis because of the intimidation of the king and his army and bodyguards. But he was effective and effectual. And the Bible said, the response, the feedback, he got after a lengthy dissertation to the king were these words, Paul, you almost persuadest me to be a Christian. Because Paul asked him the question, Believest thou, O Agrippa? Notice there was a messenger. There was a message. There was a delivery, a presentation. And there was a call for response. And the king said, You've almost persuaded me. And I won't talk to you tonight. The next five years, this church has got to rise above mediocrity. God let me know in this church there are doctors. Look around. There are doctors, lawyers, judges. And no longer does God want any private on his pews. God's want only five-star generals. Nobody in here is allowed to remain a private. You can be in a private, but you don't stay a private. You've got to be converted into generals. And God always starts all great things small. Every seed I know for the tallest trees in California came from a tiny seed. Even the human seed is almost not naked to the eye. But its growth potential, it doesn't stay a private. And I was studying this week about Tim Hortons. Many of you don't know who Mr. Tim Horton is. But I'm going to tell you, he was a, a hockey player from the Maple Leaf who realized that his life was just about to be ended in the hockey arena and began to look to a new venture for his future. And he thought, why not introduce the world, my world, to coffee and donuts? And that's how he started. And today, every day to work, to church, all across Canada, and now in the United States, and spreading around the world, it's a Tim Horton business. But start with a man who refused to stay with mediocrity and be a victim of age and time and saw possibilities. And he has persuaded you and me today to stop on your way to work at his venue to buy his coffee and to buy his donut. Now, sadly for him, he was killed in a car accident, kind of from a, a game in the States, come back to Canada. But on his way back, there was an accident and he died. He never lived to see the thousands and the millions that are being impacted by just a dream that he was committed with. Our size is not our limitation. It's our fear. Fear is a limiting factor. 
that stopped Peter from becoming favorable and great. I heard on the news today, Blackberry is going under. And I'll tell you why they're going under. They made the same mistake the Swiss Watts make. The Swiss Watts people, they thought they had the market all to themselves. They back in mediocrity. And all of a sudden somebody roused up. IBM could have touched the whole world. But IBM did not see the other guys, the lower strata of men that ordinary people could do extraordinary things if they got their hands on. Amen. Computer brought to their level. And the guy in his garage, amen, bring Apple to the forefront. Now Apple is used around the world. And from there come the iPad and the iPod. Because these are men that are men of persuasion. These are world changers. These are climate changers. Your size is not a hindrance to greatness and growth. Those men did not start with the whole world on their side. That is the concept. These men were men that spark and cause a, a breast fire. Then turn into a forest fire. Then the whole world turned on fire. But they had a thought. I was reading also about McDonald brothers. I didn't know they were brothers, but the history said these were brothers who who saw a little window of people's need and began to make hamburgers and whatever they were doing. And then a man came by and said, You know, you got something too great to keep to yourself. I think his name is the Grok or whatever his name is. He said, look, this is not, can I buy into it? I said, okay, we buy into it. He bought into it. He said, look, but we can't stay where you are because this thing is too good to be kept in a corner. Get the wider picture. I said, oh, no, 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 we're, we're content. We're making a good profit here. He said, no, you don't understand. This should not be kept just in the, in the, in the, in the corner here. The, the city needs to get it. The town needs to get it. So he convinced them eventually that gave birth to the McDonald's. Do well, you know there's over a hundred thousand places that are having McDonald's as a business? It's over in a hundred countries around the world. In Europe, I saw McDonald's in Europe. It's in China. It's around the world. But it start with a, two brothers, amen, and a man came by and became a motivated an agitator. And I'm not look beyond. And it was not the brothers who made it become great. It was the guy who saw a potential and said, we can. Church, if we ever get a revelation of the possibilities that the power of persuasion can make things happen. If you are in the maintenance business, McDonald's would have stayed unknown. If Tim Horton business stayed in the maintenance business, it would have died a long time ago. But somebody decided to provide leadership and persuade the the workers that this doesn't belong here. It belongs beyond. You know, said Joseph, fruit goes over the wall. I want to tell you, friend, it's about time you feel a giant in your minted body. It's about time you feel a kind of spirit inside of you. And if you don't feel it, I'm sorry, my friend. I told you I like to get the eagle spirit. I can't hang around turkeys. They got wings, but they don't fly. And we can fly if you want to. You can. Amen. And if you can't fly, amen, find somebody can give you an ear lift. Amen. I look at Walmart. People are envious of Walmart and McDonald's and Tim Hortons. But have you studied their beginning? These are men and women 
like you and me, put all their trousers the same way we do, wear a shoe leather like we do, comb their hair and brush their teeth like we do. But they had a vision, they had a vision that nobody had, that they could make a difference and do extraordinary things, though they be ordinary people. They were not graduates with PhDs and Master of Science and psychologists and, and all these ologists. No, they were just people with an idea who believed the power of persuasion can change their world. They want to become influencers. And Walmart is influencing the world. It's influenced many, many countries, but it didn't start in many countries. I'm trying to tell you, this church can influence the world if somebody would get on board with me and say, Yes, Pastor, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we will. I don't see limitation. I see possibilities. I don't see liabilities. I see prospect. I believe that. You may be a midget, became a giant spirit in you. Hello? And so, these men are inspiring to me. Henry Ford was a man that was a farmer and decided to trip in town that he could make a car. Walt Disney saw the, 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 the landmass out there that nobody wanted and bought, amen, like they did it back there in uh, Cayman's Out, the Muskeg area. Backfilled it and did something that his brother says nobody would invest in. He said, but I believe in it. You've got to believe in what you are going to do. You've got to see it with your eyes. You've got to, amen, be persuaded of what you believe. Amen. You've got to, amen, confess it with your mouth. And you've got to embrace it. And God will make it happen. God is walking around with an empty slate waiting for your tongue to write Him an appointment. I'm telling you, I refuse to go down empty-handed. I like what God said. Nobody come before me empty-handed. God don't like an empty house or an empty heart. He like a full house and a full church and a full heart. Hallelujah. When you get the Holy Ghost, He said, Fill full of the Holy Ghost. Could you clap into Jesus? You see, I'm not affected by who's missing today. Who's missing to affect me? What, what affect me is, do I have thinker in my midst? I see one person, amen, that said, I can, I will. And that for me is the majority. The majority is not how many thousands they are, but it's somebody who said, I will. I'm going to come with you. Let's go. Let's go. And, and so Walmart and all these places are there as inspiration to people that believe it can and also condemnation to those who said couldn't happen. These are not graduates from universities. And you can spend all your money in universities and end up with debts and all that stuff. But if you don't use your, your wisdom and your thinking, all that education going to put you in liabilities but not get you stability. Because there are many junkies out there with degrees that they can't use. Amen. But these guys didn't have one. Oh, that was a frying pan. A little bit of oil. Hello. And some gusto. Some gusto. And they're going to put that together, my friend, and they make you want some of that stuff. Hello. Hey, I'm trying to tell you, it's within the reach of us. Say amen. Don't sit down with you bunch of failures. Amen. Come on, say amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, we all have the same number of hours in a day. 
Hello, seven hours in a week. Amen. Fire starts with a spark. And if you can find somebody with a spark, they can start a forest fire. Paul turned Europe upside down. These men that turned the world upside down, they come here also. Repeat it. They come to turn our world upside down. Hallelujah. And they call them names, but the names didn't bother them. Hello? Look at the person before you and say, Is that what I want to become? No. Or yes. They look at Jesus. He preached about the kingdom and they were attracted to him because of the promise of a kingdom. Didn't have it yet. But the prospect of a coming kingdom. Alright, now. You almost persuade me to become a Christian. Paul was not governed by fear. What Paul had is what this church needs. We need leadership. Walmart, Tim Martin, Henry Ford, and Mr. Job, these guys were leaders. Nothing to mention about their college education. What was mentioned was their vision. Their vision. That they can do it. They can accomplish it. I heard on the radio this morning about a man who for 30 years he operates as a professor. Now they want to arrest him or do what they want to do. I said, no, this guy deserves an Oscar. He proved he could do it without sitting in the classroom for eight years and survive and give government direction that these things can be what? Done. And he was effective and effectual. Now they want to go back and check out his decision. My friend, decision made today is still good tomorrow. Hello. And so they want to check him out, but they should look and say, Man, tell me what you discovered. What have you done to be able to even fool the rest of us? In fact, he didn't fool them. He showed them that you can accomplish these things without going to Harvard or without going to these colleges or universities. And he showed them what can be a what? accomplished. Now, listen to me tonight. Leadership is somebody who has the quote like Paul simply to persuade. Two things are happening to you right now tonight. Hear me very carefully. You're either living a life of fear or you're living a life of empowering others. Fear has torment. And if you got torment in your body, you are going to become paralyzed and suffer from mental, physical, social paralysis. And end up on the third floor of the hospital. Leadership leads to change. A leader is somebody almost like a revolutionist. A revolutionist, somebody said, surely we could do better. We can accomplish more. A leader brings about change. There 
is that unrest in their breast that says, I don't have to accept this as a lifelong experience. I'm going to bring about an influence change. I believe it. I'm tired of the status quo. Things no longer have to remain the same. There must be a change. There is time for a change. Hello? It's time to gain momentum. You see, Tim Horton, Walmart, and all these people were looking for somebody who they could share their concept and their idea with. Hello? There are dream killers. And there are people who are catalysts. Now all you wonderful mother, you know what to do when you're going to help out somebody with their babies. Just look around and help. Will you do that right now? All right. So, we know, we know the Bible has know that Paul says he almost persuaded them. Almost. A lot of people are almost persuaded. And some of us on the pews are beyond persuasion. I don't hang around those. But if you're almost, maybe we can get you going. Amen. And so, the person that God looking for a son said, there must be a change. And that change desire must gain momentum. God is looking for initiator. Hello? Somebody, amen, who can turn their talent into treasure. Somebody who can, amen, bring about a world change that never would have happened if they had not stepped out. Hello? Some freshness. Not windblown. The cobweb got to go. We got to create an environment that's not conducive for complacency. Why are people so much in love with mediocrity? Jesus told the disciples, Watching him working all these miracles. Up to this hour, you haven't asked me for a miracle. There's no scripture where they ever had a miracle work for them except one time. And it forced Peter into that. Because he had fear in him. Oh, I don't know fishes on this side. God said, there are fishes right here. Hello? Jesus had a plan to touch Samaria's life. And he couldn't allow those 12 guys to be a part of it. Because he knew they would put out the fire. So he sent them away. And sat down there and touched one lady, and she was a spark that brought a fire to Samaria. God is looking for somebody in our world. You know when God came in the world, it didn't bring all the angels with him. He came alone. And all God wants is one man or one woman who is turned on and believe that he's able to do this. Because God can't work with unbelief. Unbelief brings fear. Unbelief is stagnation. You see, there's a difference between management and leadership. Most people in the world are managers. They maintain what they do. They get up in the morning and they go to the same routine. They're managers of a routine. But leaders create a path where there's no trail. They go where no one else has ever gone. Not only doing the right thing the right way, but they're accomplishing things that the cowards never get started. And so they're in, they're always looking for improvement. They're looking for a way out of 
about this dungeon. They want a new thing. If men had been content with candle, you would have happened. We wouldn't have electricity. We wouldn't have cars. We wouldn't have microwaves. But somebody got discontented with the norm and said, Surely there must be something better. And they have persuaded the rest of us that we also need to join them. Now everybody got an iPod. Everybody got an iPad, an iPhone. Everybody got a computer. Why? Because one man decided to change our thinking and said, Look what can happen. Why sit we here and die? Why sit we here and cry? The key is implementation of the vision. Praise God. I can improve. And I don't even need a university to do it. By the time you finish six, five, seven years of college, my friend, you're broke, you got a liability, and opportunity is gone. All the great inventors never had one PhD. Never have one master of science. You ask these graduates, how many of you guys ever become scientists? I mean, uh, wealthy people from your degree. Not one of them. Not even an accountant. Not even a business person. All the business people in town that are making successfully haven't got one degree. Not even one degree. But what they got paid for is their ideas. Hello? Man, I've lost you. i lost you. Amen. Don't, don't waste your money in colleges. Don't waste your money in schools because uh, come a time it's just too late. But an idea, I'm going to tell you right now, most teachers are dropouts in colleges. The people at Canada College and university, they're dropouts. They didn't make it in their fields. If they did, they wouldn't have been there. It's true. And they can teach us so far, but they can't teach how to be successful. They can't teach how to make because themselves have not made it. And they are depending on your funds to make it. But the people who are, who are creative and the people with ideas, people are paid for their invention. Are you with me? And so leadership, first step is to succeed. They're driven by success. Their goal is improvement. Their key is implementation. Amen. And they have a superior performance that ordinary people don't have. You see... We come to the city, I watch God with churches, you know. And I'll tell you, friend, I believe the whole city can be saved. But I need somebody to believe that with me. Paul, Paul for himself, not with 10,000 people. Most mega churches got 30,000 people. That's not what Paul had. Read the book of Corinthians. Paul lists about 30, 14 names of people. That changed the world. Jesus knew if you're going to change the world, you're not going to do with a mob. Just twelve. Just twelve. And those twelve are like octopus. Praise God. They're the common source of origin, but they spread. They spread. They said, These who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And they told their qualification. Ignorant, unlearned men, but they have ideas that was beyond. Gamil, Plato, Socrates. Amen. You see, people with ambition cannot be stopped. You've got to have ambition beyond the present. And you've got to become a climate changer. 
You're going to change the climate in your own life, in your home, where you are. you got to believe it. Now, am I, am I anti-education? No. Because I'm a school. I went to school myself. I went to college myself. I'm not against it. I'm just trying to say those guys just don't make it. Hello? They just don't make it. Do you think these guys in the industrial world can go teach? Whether they can make a lot of money in the corporate room? The VP going to go to the college there and teach? He's not going to do that. Only guys who drop out of society are going to go there and do that. Amen. Try. Is it true? You got to believe it. That's the honest truth. If he could make it where the industrial world is, he would have gone there and done it. But he can't. He is, 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 is history. And he can teach as far as he knows and bring it as far as that place. But if you're going to make it, honey, you have to go beyond what he taught you. You've got to have a dream and a vision. Remember now, Walmart, Tim Horton. Amen. And all these places, they are there. You say, well, Brother Neal, this is supposed to be a church. It is church. God said they're wiser than we are. They are wiser than you and me. Hello? That man that was about to lose his job, he was thinking about the future. And Jesus said, well, look how smart that guy is. Look how smart that guy is. In case he got fired, he got a plan. A contingency plan. Most God's people are victims and not victors. They're full of fear and not divine favor. Amen. They hang around trash and not treasures. And that's where they live. That's where they believe. And you, you talk to them about the future and they're just recalled on you. Stiffen up like crabs. Pulling each other down. Amen. And they can't get out the net. But we can. I said we can. I love this book in First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. It says there's a teamwork and they became followers. They were copycats. It worked. It worked. That's what franchise is. Franchise are people who didn't have the thought, but see the thought become a reality and bought into it. How many of us are so, so lackadaisical and refuse to buy into a successful situation? But you see, these franchisers, they didn't create a McDonald's uh, idea, but they bought into ideas. And they're participating in the success of that idea. They become role models and they follow the models. Amen. And so Paul has impacted Asia that the king said, You almost persuaded me to become one of you guys. You and Paul said, Well, a little bit more persuasion. I could have. Hallelujah. I should have. I wanted to. Amen. We look in chapter 2 of this. I love this church. To me, this is the most powerful church in the Bible, Thessalonians. Read it for yourself. Read verse 1 to 4. 1 and 4 to 8. And read how they were influencers. They influenced by the influence that influenced them. And they were impacting life. So I think a leadership means I'm in charge. Not necessarily, no. You can be charged of nothing. Hello. You are a leader when you are influencing. When you are a climate changer. When you become a model that others can build and follow and emulate and copy. And so that church became followers of Paul. They're smart to realize he had the goods. And he transferred to them what he was and what he believed. And they grasped it. They, and they began to utilize it. And became role model themselves. So he was multiplying what he is. Hello? You cannot produce what you're not. And we can reproduce after our own kind. And God is looking for role models. 
Now, you may not become a role model when you first come in. You're a private, but when you leave, you're going to leave you a five-star general. God wants to convert you. And take a lump of clay and slap you down on the potter's wheel and turn that wheel a few times when he's done with you, honey. You're better when you came in. That's why the devil loves to attack us because he knows we have divine purpose. God set in the church. Not foolishness. Nothing in this world is left of a vistas from God. Everything in this earth was created by a divine purpose and placed it for divine reasons. You may not know the reason why it's there, but God put it there. In your own body, God put every part together. And their divine function and reasons. And you may cut them off and say, well, they're vestiges of the past. No, they're not evolutionary. They are God revolutionary creation. Divine parts. Playing function that God put them there for. Can you say amen? I look at Antioch. I love that place, Antioch. A city, when the apostles got there, they got nothing to do. After, I, 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 when, I, when I go out from this church and I come back, I always check and say, Now, Lord, how many got baptized? None. How many got the Holy Ghost? None. How many got the Holy Ghost? None. None. And it's a routine. So I learned to expect none. That's sad. That's sad. It will never happen until there's a desire. There has to be a desire. There has to be a burden. Hallelujah. Jacob, it was not his birthright. But he had a desire. And a man who had it didn't want it. Hallelujah. And the man cheated to get it. <laughs> he cheated a lot to get it. And God didn't condemn him. God embraced him. Not for the cheating, but the desire he had. God said, this guy, God takes. And God said, Jacob, let me show you one more thing. There's a ladder from earth to heaven. The ladder of success is in this church. And we can, if we chose to, or we can sit on our knees at ease in Zion while opportunity passed you by. But somewhere in Fort McMurray, there's somebody going to one day capture what I'm preaching and teaching and say, Pastor, let's go! Let's go! I believe we can grow! Praise God! You may not say amen, but I'm not saying amen anyhow. It's right anyhow. Praise God. My favorite couple in the Bible is a couple called, listen to this now, Aquila and Priscilla. And we're preaching this tasting, and in Canada, I tell them, my favorite couple in the Bible is Aquila and Priscilla. Oh, they were changers. They, Paul, Paul impacted them. And they saw an opportunity of a young man called Apollos, not even an apostle. And the Bible says when, when Paul, amen, left them, they were tent makers on their job. They saw this guy, heard him, and they connected to him, and began to influence him. And they converted him. And the Bible said he got so great, he was incompatible to Paul. That they were saying, I'm of Apollos. And when I say, I'm of Jesus, it's a desire that's got to be inside of us to be a changer. Now, you may want to write this down. But a leader is one who makes a difference. That's a leader. They are conditioners. Their supreme property is leadership. Amen. They bring about change and involve others in change. They are revolutionary. They provoke a spark 
that can burst into forest fire. They are a threat to the status quo. <coughs> they say, Pastor, out with the old, in with the new. They're a threat to stagnation. Amen. They're looking into the future all the time. They're not just maintainers. They want to grow. If I was playing football, i got to score more goals. If I was playing hockey, i got to shoot more in the puck, puck in the net. i got to improve. Amen. And earn my keeps. i got to do it. We've got to earn our seat in Pentecost. Hello. All successful enterprise, all their progress and success to the leadership. Leadership see possibilities, not not uh, impossibilities. See possibilities. This is I am. Why not? I can. David says there's a cause, and I'm the man for the cause. I'm going to step out, but nobody wants to say I will. It's oh, just a little boy. Yeah, but there's a giant in him. Face the giant out there. He was innovative. He's the first one that taught Israel how to worship with musical instruments. He's the first guy who introduced temple worship to Israel. So I want to build him a temple. They've never seen one before, but he designed one and gave it to them. I'm telling you, God is looking for that kind of person. Amen. I know what Jesus was. He came looking for men that turned fishers of men. Amen. And God is looking for people that can affect our world. Now, here's this. Fear. I said fear. Fear has what? Right now, are fearful. I'm going to tell you the ten failures, the ten fears that keep you from being productive and being a leader and being effective and persuasive. Number one, loss of freedom. Number two, fear of the unknown. Number three, fear of pain. Number four, fear of failure. Number five, Fear of disappointment. Number six, fear of loneliness. Number seven, fear of being ridiculed. Huh? Number eight, fear of rejection. Number nine, fear of misery. And the tenth one is fear of death. Not taxes, death. Those things keep people in paralysis. When a person, a pastor... I've got depression. I consider somebody who's living in the past and can never realize they're in the present. When it says that, Pastor, I've got anxiety attacks. I just can't do anything straight. I'm, I'm always nervous and falling apart. I consider somebody who is living the past and the future. And they can never realize you cannot change your past. And the only power you have as a leader is to plan for the future. If you don't plan, you plan to fail. And if you don't make a decision, you have made a decision not to make a decision. Because you're always making choices. Praise God. You're always choosing. And so fear prevents dreams. If McDonald's and Tim Horton Amen. And all these places had a lot of fear of failure to come in them. They would never become a franchise around the world. Amen. If the Wright brothers had fear of broken bones, airplane would not become a, a feature today. 
and rockets going to the moon. Fear prevents you living a dream. Fear hinders accomplishment. Fear hijack performance. Fear overthrow ability. Fear kill dreams and hopes. And thou said, God, through Paul, I have not given you the spirit of fear. I believe I am a midget with a giant in my heart. Let's worship God. Your worst enemy is fear. It's an unpleasant feeling. It's an unwelcome guest in your life. It breathes anxious concerns. It muddles up your thinking. And leave you always regretting, I should have, I could have, I ought to have. I never, I did. Most people when they die, what bothers them the most is not what they did, is what they thought they should have done. Think about it. But that's a casting off fear and imaginations to the ground. I'm so glad I'm serving that God says, I can do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that you may think or ask or imagine. I believe every church service was designed to minister to somebody's fear and somebody's anxiety. It's not my fault if they don't hear it. It's not my problem if they don't make themselves available to it. It's no use talking to me after church or so like when preaching. God chose preaching to attack those parasites of possibilities. God didn't choose me to do anything else but preach. So when you preach, yokes are broken. Chains fall off. <coughs> Hallelujah. God's method is to deal with unpleasant things through preaching. That's why everybody needs to sit down and hear preaching and teaching of the Word of God because it's God's prescription for men malaise in our world today. Praise God. Cast out fear before fear cast you out. Let's worship God. Thank God He's not giving me the spirit of fear. I don't believe God gave me birth to become limited. I serve an unlimited God and have a right to think unlimited thoughts. I believe the sky's my limit. I aim for the moon, and if I fail, I fall among the stars. I believe that. It was a hard thing to watch Elisha died and could find somebody to take on that spirit that he had. The spirit of a double portion that he received. They would have had a quadruple of that spirit. Hallelujah. And too bad some of you can't catch the spirit. What I'm talking about tonight, you sit there. If I was in the world, I'd be paid millions for what I'm saying right now. And I'm giving, giving you, making you rich in faith, and you probably can't even receive it. Think about it. I want to show you some things here. I don't mind counseling, saints. But I want to tell you, friend, counseling cannot match preaching. You've got to sit down and hear preaching. The smallest, the greatest. Jesus don't want you to tell him your problems. He wants you to believe on him for his possibilities. Why tell what he already know? What he wants to know is, do you believe 
he's able to do this. That's all he wants to know. And I put here the cycle of fear. The Holy Ghost showed me this to tell you this. The enemies of persuasion is a cycle of fear. First, wrong belief. Negative thinking produce your negative feelings. Your negative feelings produce negative action. I'm going to show it to you this way. Let me draw it for you here. Here you are, body, soul, and spirit. What you think, you're going to feel. What you feel, you're going to act. That's you. So if it's positive or negative, positive or negative, positive or negative, which one is it? And you can argue forever. That's your problem right there. It affects you biologically. It interferes with your uh, cerebrum. It interferes with your serotonin, your dopamine, and everything you got in your body. Everything's going to be affected by that. And God said, I didn't give you that. I gave you a sound mind. As a man thinketh, so he becomes. As I think, so I feel. As I feel, so I act. If I think I'm great, I'm going to do great things. If I think I'm a failure, I'll always tripping and failing and falling off the wagon. Tonight, change your thinking. Change your thinking. Change your activity. Change it. Come on, tonight, determine your heart. I'm going to be a champion for God. I will not be a private forever. I can become a world changer. Amen. It all happened in seclusion, but ended up on the world stage. Walmart started in privacy. Come on, it did. The Wright brothers did. But when your success comes out, my friend, everybody want a part of the franchise. When this was noise abroad, they all showed up. 3,000 showed up. Hallelujah. We might start small, but honey... From a manger to the world, he conquered the world. Come on, somebody. I said, from a manger, he conquered the whole world. Told a handful of shepherds. And now there are shepherds around the world. Hello? Wrong belief. Give you wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Give you confidence in a lie. That's you have confidence in a lie that you conjure up. And confidence in a lie leads to a disturbed mind. A disturbed mind leads to irrational action. Irrational action leads to optical illusion and hearing voices. Schizophrenic. Hello. Hallucinations. Multiple personalities. Hello. And that leads to embracing failures. And pretty soon, Pastor, it won't work. It will never work. How do you know? Well, I just know it won't work. Because you got confidence in a lie. When the Word of God says all things are possible. To them that believe. I am a believer. Oh, church, I wish to God I could convince you tonight I'm right. I wish to God, I'll tell you, I feel inside of this church... We have the capacity, the potential, and everything we need right here. Please, the Lord, increase my faith and know, use what you got. You don't need an increase. Just release what you got. Get that spark out. Oh, church, I wish I sat where you sit right now and hear what you're hearing. The next five years, what are you going to look like? What are we going to be doing for God? 
Why must we come to church empty-handed? Why must we be empty-churched? Why must we be empty-hearted? Why are we not productive and effective for God? Why do we preach and nobody gets saved? Why do we teach that everybody's bored to death? Why? Where's the anointing? Does anybody feel that? Everybody dawning you? People are bored? You almost persuade me. Oh, I know this intimidates people. But I'm not here to intimidate you. I'm here to stimulate you. Praise God. You should be thanking God for what I'm telling you right now. You see, Jesus could not do much work in Capernaum because some cities are full of skeptics. Hello? <laughs> and skepticism will destroy what God wants to do. Hello. Now look at this. Hebrews five twelve. I never forget when God approached me. He said, Brother Neil, I want to teach I'm a new convert. I just got in church. I want to teach Sunday school. I said, Lord, uh, I haven't been to Bible school, I haven't trained, I don't I can't find my way around God. I said, No, read the scripture. I want to read the scripture. He said, Look, boy, I brought you here for a purpose. Live out your purpose. He said, when I need to be teacher, I have need to be taught again. He said, look, this maintenance program is incorrect. He said, Peter, when you convert, or, uh, Peter, when you become a leader, or Peter, when you become an influencer, empower people. Is used to influence. Huh? I got power in the church here, in the walls, but it's not doing no work. When I put the vacuum cleaner, they're going to influence us. When I put the uh, the coffee machine, it's going to influence me. Does it not? God wants to influence you. Look at that. Genesis thirty nine twenty two. It said Joseph, whatever he did. Whatever Joseph did, whatever Joseph what did, what was he doing? He was the doer. God said, Pastor Neil, all those people on the pew were hearing the word of God. They're not the church. The church people are the doers. The doing. Come on, meet the doers. I could say, meet the McDonald's. Meet the, the jobs. Meet, meet, meet uh, the, the uh, Martins. Let's meet the church doers. Doers. Hello. Joel was a doer. And the king said, can you find anybody in our city that's like Joseph? A man gifts make room for him and bring before kings. And did what? Bring him before kings. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1 and 5, the greatest church in the Bible. That church was an influencer. They influence others. Acts 2, Acts 24 and verse 5. Read what happened there. Again, they were influencing. Acts 24 and verse 5. Go there, please. Look what happened there. They were influencing. I want to influence. I've got to influence for Jesus. The next five years, I've got to influence everybody I meet for Jesus. 
If I meet somebody and I have a flyer to give to them, I'm not influencing them. I'm, I'm failing and I feel bad about it. Why I feel bad? Because my conscience is still alive. It's not dead. If I don't feel convicted passing them by, then my conscience is dead. If I preach a sermon, I'm not concerned that people aren't being affected by it, then I'm dead. I'm just going through a, an oratory. But well, the speech is no good. What good is the speech? I want a, a message. Now look at this. When you are converted, Peter, I want you to influence. When you are converted, Peter, I want you to be a persuader. When you are converted, Peter, I want you to be a facilitator. These are the three things everybody in this church, eventually in five years' time, must hope to become an influencer, a persuader, and a facilitator in the church. Why? You're not doing Pastor Neil a favor? God forbid. When I'm gone, you guys love to do it. You're doing it for His kingdom. Esther, you've been brought to the kingdom for this purpose. Esther, I want you to be an influencer, Esther. Esther, I want you to persuade those people, Esther. I want you to be a facilitator. Esther, come on. Facilitate a prayer meeting. Influence the change. Come on, persuade them to believe. Hallelujah. That's what this church is all about. When you are an influencer, persuader, and a facilitator, then ordinary people... You become an ordinary person accomplishing extraordinary things. Hello? Alright? Sister Peter, when you converted, influence the sheep. That's what it meant. Influence the sheep. Now, here is the pyramid of influence. The pyramid of influence. First is as a leader and an influencer, I hope you guys can see this. Make sure you can see it. You're, you're involved in empowering. A real leader is not a boss. Well, it's my, I've I got a position, you know, my, my chest there. I'm, 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 I mean, some of the best people who are, who are leaders are not even seen up front. You can lead from behind. The American president says he could, and they said they don't understand that. It's one of the most powerful ways of doing it, watching the crowd go. Jesus leads from the front by becoming a role model. He leads from the middle, the center of them, by becoming one of them. And then he leads from behind to watch how they did it. There are three different directions of leadership. You lead from the front by being a role model. You lead from the in, amongst them by being amongst them so you can be one of them and you can, you can feel your manner of life and how you handle things. You can lead from behind by send them out to do these things. Hallelujah. And watch them do it. With accountability. Number one is empowerment. Choosing to be powerful. Ye shall receive power. After that, our dunamis. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Next thing in the pyramid is awareness. You are aware of your environment. You show the Oh, this is a dreadful place. This is the gate to heaven, and I didn't know it. Come on, God, wake up. What a, feedback and reflection. That's part of empowerment. People need to be aware of who you are, what you're doing. Get feedback, get reflection. Hey, feedback, right? That's empowerment. That's a, that's a good influencer. Awareness. Another influencer is being a model. 
where you have concepts. Hallelujah. Concepts. You know, people will first imitate you, and then they'll do theirs after. If you look at the man called Isaac, he, he first walked in the steps of Abraham, and then he, he made his own steps. Elisha walked in the model steps of Elijah. Then he had his own seven after that. If you stop where I took you, then you have not improved. You're going to stand on my shoulder. You're going to build on my foundation. But eventually you can have a foundation for somebody else. And so you model what they're supposed to become. That's what First Thessalonian Church was. Then there's a tool on the techniques. What are the tools? Tools like a toolbox. Now, Brother Bean, you did instrumentation before. You got a toolbox. You don't always use all the tools in there, but they're always available. You can't try to uh, fix them on the job. On the job, it should be ready to go. Amen. And so we are God's tools. We're God's wrenches and spanners, and we're God's uh, saw, and we're God's hammer. And we are in good shape. So when he needs us, we are going to perform. Hallelujah. God's tools and then God techniques. Every tool have a specific technique to use it with. A, a way to grasp it. A way to handle it. We can't be handled the same way. You know the sons of Belial are like thorns. You couldn't handle them because they're what? Prickled. I saw when I was in B.C. A certain, not, I saw a certain tree. It wasn't B.C. It was in a film, actually, somewhere. Uh, and that, that tree, it has spik- uh, spikes about six inches long. And, and the giraffe could not feed all that nutritious tree because the spikes were there. They couldn't eat. And so the tree would bring forth fruit that no one could eat. They fall to the ground and withered away and wasted because of the spikes. We can have talent that God can't use because of the wrong spirit, the wrong attitude. God did not want Aaron because Aaron was not going to help the cause. And he wanted Moses. Though Moses didn't have the speech, but Moses had the right character. And God chose him. Amen. David wasn't tall enough and ruddy enough, but God says he's got the character that I need. And God could work with that. And so, see, the next thing that people is your practice. Practice make perfect. Well, I want to play the piano, but do you practice? No. Well, I want to be a soul winner. Do you go knocking doors? No. I want to be a good teacher. Well, do you teach Bible study? No. Do you teach other school? No. Well, I, I want... Hey, one is different from I desire. When you desire, you got passion. When you want, you just envy. Envy and passion and desire is two different things. I right? have passion. So, the pyramid of influence. Here's a circle of my influence. I have to start with a vision. If I got a vision, I want you to see my vision. Hey, look, look what. And some people like to kill dreams and kill visions. So be careful who you share it with. But I want to persuade you and influence you with my vision. Paul had a message on a vision, and somebody went with him. Paul and Silas went. Who had the vision? Silas? No. Paul had it. But he influenced who? Silas to go with him. The vision, he passed it on. And a person who can build positive relationship 
who the people are trying to reach is an influencer. People come by our church. Do we treat them as a guest or a visitor or a friend? How do we treat them? What are they? A visitor? Or a friend? Or one of us? Relationship is also used to influence others. Coaching. Coaching. What does that mean? Transferring of skills. I have the skill. I want to coach you how to do it in my place. So when I'm absent, the whole thing don't fall down. If when you leave and you're not here, the whole thing don't work, then you're a failure. You fail. Why? Because you didn't pass on your skill that in your absence you're still there. Hey! You know, some people, I'm telling you, the days of the ego leadership is over. No longer can we lead by ego. We've got to have the, the leadership of what? The northern geese. The days of the northern geese is in. The days of the eagle leadership is over. If you're a loner, and what you're doing, you're alone doing, you're going to die with you, and you'll be forgotten, so will it. But what you leave behind will, spend, will speak more of you than when you're alive. Dorcas impacted her world by what she left behind. And so, coaching, you pass on your skill, your attitude, and your knowledge by coaching. Now, per, persuasion comes because you've got power. You got skill. People identify with it. And then the man said, You almost persuade me. Notice, to become a Christian. Why? Because Paul had vision. He was a, a relational builder. He was a man that could pass on his knowledge. And they were impacted by it. Were you impacting? And then we see here positive reinforcement. Wow. What does that mean? You're reinforcing what you're doing. McDonald's is the same no matter where you go. It's the law of consistency. Why they survive? The law of consistency. They don't change their diet. They don't change their taste. They don't change their packaging. Nothing has changed. They keep certain things the same. So it's the law of consistency. Reinforcing. This is our taste. This is our brand. When Pepsi and, 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 and Coca-Cola try to change their brand, people wouldn't buy. They go back to what they were before. Because people look for consistency. In you and me. Alright? Our expertise is an attractive force. Hello! Every time I hear music being played by someone skillful, they make me stop. I don't care if I'm shopping, I stop to listen. Their expertise have persuaded me I need not pass this. I must listen to this. Hello! I pass a nice building, I take a stop and look at the architecture. The expertise of attractive. So when you have expertise, people are going to want it. And your room make, your, your skill make room for you. People invite you to come preach for them and teach to them because of your expertise. And they believe that you have what is in their best interest. You're there not for looks, but you're there for what you can add to them. Alright? Charisma. What's charisma? I'm not told you. People who are rambunctious, you can't work with them. Because they got bad spirit, bad attitude. You can't work with them. They got skills. They got now, but you can't use them. Hello? God don't want it. So, he hasn't chose the wise and the prudent, but he chose the least of all. But he took the, 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 whole, the people who are poor, unlearned, ignorant. But when he's done, they confound the mighty. They go from generals, I mean from private to generals. God converted them. Notice here. And we're back to our vision. So the power of influence. If this church, 
is going to be effective in this city. You've got to pay attention to what I'm teaching. Now, you don't have to if you don't want to. But I'm talking to you. My job is to give you the tools. Your job is to use them. But I can't make you use them. And I can't make you embrace them. And I can't make you see it. And I can't make you confess them. Well, there's in my power to make you desire it. You know how it is? They said, well, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. I can. He said, how fast do you do that? Give him some salt. I put it on his lower lip and salt it up. And the salt will make him desire water. If I could create to you today a desire for bigger and better things, if I could create to you this tonight a desire to win people and influence people for God, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. There's no reason why I shouldn't try. Nobody should be predestined. Everybody should be destined to double what they have for God. Look at this here. The branch of influence. How to influence. Now, in order of power, potency, learn it. This will help you on your job. It will help you in your home. It will help you in your relationship. It will help you in your marriage. It will help you in the kingdom of God. It will take you to heaven. If you will learn it. But I can't make you sit down and learn it. But I hope I can influence you. At least almost persuade you to believe me. Look at this. Influence comes in three categories. Rational influence. Social influence. And emotional influence. Come next Friday, you're going to see it's true. It's in the Bible. It's in there. In the Bible. The rational, the social, and the emotional. Are you aware of what you're doing when you're doing it? I believe, Brother Bean, when you fix something, if you can't explain what you fix, you're bound to repeat the error again. When I was on the job, I was in maintenance, and we had to do problem solving. And we have things fail. I could not see my boss. I could define what the problem was. Even if I fixed it, I couldn't face it. Because he knew it's going to come back again. He knew it's going to come right back again. I must tell him what went wrong. I must. If you can't define the problem, how do you know you have the solution? How? 15 cents washer brought down the spacecraft. They couldn't find the problem. Couldn't define it. They found it later on. A 15 cents washer brought it down. It takes small foxes to destroy the vine. Hello. A little insect, bacteria, can kill a plantation. Think about it. Don't take much. Hallelujah. But on the rational persuasion, it involves logical. It means the use of logics. Are you with me? You use logics. Talk to my friend before he goes, please. All right? Legitimate, number two. With legitimate 
rational persuasion, influence, it means you're appealing to authority. For example, the Bible. The first one is logics. I mean, let's face it. What logics mean? What does logics mean? You cannot argue against it. Legitimate means you appeal to authority. I understand that. Exchange number three, you influence by exchanging, means you negotiate a deal. We can see that. Can you see that? Number four, by stating, the rational stating, you are being what? Assertive of your belief. A man just recanted on oneness to God. He broke all those rules. But to teach the things of God, you must come through these four regions. Paul did it. Paul was logical. He was legitimate. He exchanged and said, come on, let's, let's almost not persuade us to me. He was negotiating. And he was stating what he believed. Assertive. The next category is number five. We go to social influence. How to influence someone socially. How? Socializing means get to know the person. Get to know the situation. Number six, appeal to relationship. It means get cooperation. Get input. To influence. Yes. Number seven, by consulting, it means what? Hello? It means to bring others in. Involve what? Others. In what you're doing. You try to influence, don't you? And then, next one is, number eight, is alliance, a therapeutic alliance. You look for supporters. These are ways and means how you're influenced. So you can recognize when you're being influenced on the job by anybody else. They're using this. They probably don't even know it. I understand that. I understand that. The ten, <coughs> the ten acts of influencing. And then we have here, number nine, the emotional influence methodology. <coughs> All these are methodology, church. Know your tools. What are the weapons of winners? Influencing. Empowerment. The power of persuasion. Relationship. The power to negotiate. The power, amen, to, to uh, resolve issues. Conflict resolution. Collaborating. Mediating. Touching lives. Changing lives. Acting in the best interest of your client or your person you're trying to reach. Look at this, folks. Emotional, you appeal to values. Meaning, get to what? Commitment. Right? And number ten is modeling. See that? Role modeling. Now, folks, <coughs> what does that say? Then help me preach. That's good. All right, what does that say? I'm trying to teach you. The branch of influencing. Praise God. Praise God. Now, folks... Spend some time and talk to my guests and see how we can bless them with the Word of God privately. Can you do that? Appreciate that. 
Alright. Now, look at this here. Wrong types of influence. Wrong types of influence. You see, church, we've got to be perceptive. We've got to be, we've got to capture the moment. We've got to be, you know, what would Pastor do if he could have? Where would he be right now? I mean, right now, what would he be doing if he could have? What would I do in a prayer meeting when someone walked in the and pray? What would I do with them? What, what would you do? What do you do? Get, get integrated, involved. Touch lives. That's my point, church. I'm telling you, you know, when God brought to the end and said, keep that alive. Don't let it die. That's the influence. Keep it alive. Keep what I just did alive. There's a little spark I give you. Turn into a bonfire. <laughs> Blow on it. Glow on it. Now, wrong kind of influence, avoiding. Manipulating. Intimidating. Threatening. Let's go back and look. Avoiding means forcing others to act against their best interest. We don't, we don't do that. No. Manipulating means telling lies and deceit just to win a friend and influence people. That's wrong. Number three, it means uh, <laughs> imposing on others. You don't want to do that. Number four, threatening, harming. It's not false thing. Don't want to win people's by threatening them. No, you don't do it that way. It doesn't work. That's not the way God wants to do. All right. Can we move on here? Get there more. All right. Here's what we say. I'm anointed to influence. I'm anointed to persuade. I am anointed. Church, how much would the world pay me to teach this? How much would any organization pay me right now to, to offer this to a crowd ten times larger, bigger than McMurray is for this? A whole lot. But I'm not there for field to lucre. I'm here to see you grow and glow for God. Remember now, we are not too small to achieve big things. And all great things started in isolation before he hit the front stage. David didn't become great on Goliath's stage. He was already great before. He was made public by putting him on stage. Joseph was already great before David saw him. God has put him on there. In church, when Joseph couldn't get what he wanted, he went over the wall and affected the world when his brothers didn't want it. Now, look at this. I am anointed to influence... I'm anointed to persuade. That's what Acts, you know, one eight says. You're anointed to do that. Power. Acts 18, 4 and 13, to persuade. He's persuading Greeks and Hebrews and all these people. And I like this. Ethos, pethos, and logos. These are Greek words. Ethos means credibility and trust. If you've got credibility and trust, you can influence people. If you've got emotional and imaginative amen display that people can believe in and it's, it's contagious you can become a stimulator you can stimulate me to act when I didn't want to by motivating me and then you got the logos which is the consistency and the logistics of the word that you're speaking a word is power where there's word there's power huh God Highest expression is love and word. Ah, he became the word. He was the word. And the word was God, word with God. So we're not to persuade. Ethos, 
your credibility and your trust, your pay thrust. What am I trying to do, church? I'm trying to turn you all into not followers, but what? Leaders. I could lead this church to become followers. You know, all, you, all you do is follow behind me and not know what to do. But here I am trying to put you into the five-star general realm by giving you the kind of ammunition you need so you can lead. So whether in my absence or my presence, you can still persevere. You can still perform. And you shouldn't need me to tell you what needs to be done. You see, leadership is not, well, that's not my responsibility. When somebody talks that way, you know they don't know what leadership is. Well, that's not my duty. Let me tell you, the geese flying south don't talk that way. Well, that's not my job description this year. Somebody else is, so they leave a big hole in the system. Uh, no, no. One for all and all for one. If you see it and I didn't see it, then you fix it. If you see the need before I see it, do something about it. Don't come telling me something. Well, I didn't know, but I didn't want to do anything about it. Because if they leave a hole in that V formation, it's no longer a V. And somebody dropped out. Hello? I'm trying to tell somebody what's going on here, friend. This is the truth. So we've got to learn how. Don't talk that way. It's not my duty. It's not my responsibility. I'm overloaded. If you're overloaded, then bless God. Thank God. Ask God to give you more power to go even further yet. Overload don't mean that you can't carry more load. It just means that God for more strength and more grace to go further. Hello? It don't mean quit. Because if you draw back, anything in the backwards says you're not fit. Anything that draw back from responsibility and accountability is not fit for the kingdom. Huh? Go forward. God told Israel, go forward. Go forward. Don't draw back. Because there's a water there. Go forward. Go, go, go. Uh, hallelujah. And those who wouldn't go down in the wilderness. Hello. Now, this, folks, these are the stairway to persuasion. You see, church, we can damage this faith by doing stupid things and immoral things or unlawful things, but that does damage to the kingdom for a while. Anyway, for a while. But we can be effective. Because of us, the word can sound out. You know, I watched this church when, when, my, when my friends walked through the door for the first time. I watched if you just sit there and look and stare. And I thought, my God, there's a steering contest here. Where's the engagement? Where is the connecting? Where's the people who say, look, God has sent Cornelius men to me. That's what Philip was. When everybody working about trials and tribulation and problems, Philip said, not me. In chapter 6, the greatest man in the book of Acts is not Peter or Paul. is a young man called Philip. You don't know where Philip came from. But Philip is like cream in a pot you can't keep cream down and float to the top 3,000 5,000 people the church is growing and multiplying and nobody heard the name Philip but all of a sudden the guy just emerged well known in the church because the people know who the workers are we're not dumb you know in this church who the lazy people are you know you're not saying but you know 
You know who the problem people are, and you know who the good ones are. You're not dumb. You know it. You just don't say it. I'm glad you don't say it either. <laughs> don't say it. But you know, and when God says, Thou choose you out people of these qualifications, they choose out among them Philip. Because they knew him. They knew persuaders cannot be hid. People know them. They shine. You know, it's like it's like diamond on a black background. It just sparkles. The, the black of the night, the, the grid of the diamond sparkles. Hello? That's why those two spies stood so well because those ten guys were bad reports, slanders. Well, they just emerged. All of a sudden, they famous. Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because the background was created. Now, quite close tonight, and I'm not done, but I'll move on. St. <laughs> Corinthians 31 to 5, Paul says, It's the third time I'm coming to you. The first step, if this church is going to reach the city and around the world, is exposure. We must expose our message. I was in British Columbia. One of my one of my fans, I didn't know it was a fan for the last five years or three years. I was watching this on the website. Lamenting we're not there anymore. The pastor asked him about it. I said, Well we we've been messed up by Google and all that stuff. Google was trying to hurt us and all that stuff. I said, Oh, we go to bed on this every night. The preacher said it and the people said it. I thought, Really? And the pastor said, Here is Pastor Nina, I want you to meet him. You can see the look. He thought I was a movie star. <laughs> you know? Wow. This is him? Yeah. Surprise! Glad you're here. Woo! Exposure. God gave us two. There's a message that we present. It's not us that's popular. It's the message. It's the, it's the food that people want. The message. And I'll show you from one to six, the easiest to the hardest, we call it persuasion. Expose the presentation of the message. That's easy. As you go on, down the line, it gets harder. Step two is what? Attention and awareness. Repeat it three or four times so it may have retention. Hello? Number three, Getting harder yet, comprehension and understanding. And that's right in the middle. People hear it, don't understand it. Some reject it. The soul, the seed, remember? Don't understand it, they reject it. Because compre- comprehension and understanding deal with the benefit. Can they see it? Can they grasp it? If they can't, they won't receive it. Step four acceptance. Does the audience believe the message that they're hearing? They may accept it, and they may accept it based on the benefit they perceive it brings to them. And number five, retention. Do they retain what you've just taught a while ago? Or do they reject it? Or do they forget it? Well, they said the birds came and took the seed away, so they didn't retain it. Do you retain what's preached tonight? Do saints retain it? How do we know? In battle, when they're struggling. You know, I know after church, when you ask me a question, 
That should have been answered by preaching. I preached today, you heard it. Did, did, did you connect? No, maybe you didn't. So you, you didn't connect. Right? Number five is retention, the audience, retention, the message. And number six, it goes into action. Action. If you don't believe, you're not going to act. And the hardest thing to do to get people to do it, repent, get baptized. But they won't do it without first there's a message. There's awareness of the message, comprehension of the message, acceptance of the message, retention of the message, and then action of the message. The power of persuasion. Almost you persuade me to believe. Almost you persuade me to act. In the revolution, somebody was an agitator rises up, and pretty soon folks start seeing what he's seeing. And start supporting it. It gave momentum, like in the Middle East right now, right? When God set himself on fire, and that set the Middle East on fire, hasn't stopped since. Right? Is that right? One guy did. He got so angry at the government, messing around with him, and set himself on fire, literally on fire. And since that time, the whole Middle East is on fire. How many government toppled? For the one guy burned himself up. Two. <laughs> Amen. So you can see in our website, this is the same thing. If they don't have it, they can't play it. You see, church, when are you going to persuade? You cannot be defensive. If you're not accountable, then you will not be responsible. If you're not responsible, you won't be committed. And if you're not committed, you're going to be effective. Because a committed, effectual, a responsible person always want to do more. Want to do more. Want to do more. You know, we, 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 we got this guy who wants to run and have no message. But, in, you know, there's a positive side to that message, you know. He wants to run. It was not his turn yet. But he wants to run. He's ready to run. Let me run. Let me run. Let me run. Please let me run. I just, I, I'm ready to just need empowerment. But he wants to. And many times we mock him, but really, I wish more churches have that than have the message that will run. Come to a close. Your persuasive action. What this should do to us tonight when we leave here tonight? On your job, in your home, in your family, and for the cause of God, you should put these into practice. If, if I were you on those pews, I'd copy it down. And I would listen to the message over and over and over and over. And then I'd go pray and say, God, give me the power to persuade like Stephen did. Stephen took those conflicting women straighten things out. When he did, he and Philip and the rest, when they did, the church grew. Multiply. And then persecution came. And everybody was trying to save their skin, but not Philip. Philip ran down to Samaria. Nobody said, then he ran down there and started preaching and persuaded them. And he influenced them. They said, 
He calls it, come and see. You should be glad to do that, church. Every time I go away and come back, you should look past it. Look at what we won. Look what we did. Look what we taught. Look what happened. We were preaching. We were teaching. We were singing. And people got saved. Look, 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 look. Wow. And all I should be saying is, wow. That only happened if you go after Jesus for it. You say, what are talking about, Pastor Neil? I've got from personal experience. And I still feel that way. I want all those books done. I want all this done. I want all this done. And I want something to get it done. Who's your boss? Jesus Christ. Who's your standard? It's for this performance. You're going to excel that. Look at this church in closing. You should read Acts chapter 6, but it's, it's effective. The most powerful man in the book of Acts is Philip. He influenced and to God promote him and promote him and promote him and just keep promoting him to the very top. To enter the fivefold ministry. But in every case, he had fruit. You should not be in the ministry if you don't have fruit. And you can have fruit if you plow the field and work the field and cry over it. Don't give lectures. Give a message. I'm not lecturing you tonight. I'm giving you a message. I believe this. I prayed about this. I'm, I'm disturbed about this. I am. And after I'm done, I'm going to go home and ask God, did I do my best? Was that my best? Did I impact you? I don't know. I'll go next week. The results I get. But look at this. Number one, the 12 steps. The classic, the clear message. Number one. Let's take our DVDs. Nobody in our city should get a DVD that's blank. Never. Quality control. The church has got to have it. The worst thing you want is a disappointed customer. After a while, they ain't coming back. They want to be satisfied that you showed interest in what you produce. McDonald's have courses. I go by there to buy my breakfast, so I've trained session on the job, on the go away from the job, on the job, and so on. You need to get to do that. After a while, you need a refresher's course. What you're doing. After a while, you get used to mediocrity. You need to, to be pushed in it. Look at this. Clear message. Number two, advertise. Do we do that? Number three, design. Design and work goes into it. Number four, we print the material. Number five, we direct mail or we use any way of getting across the air to other people number six website number seven training the staff we're going to train people it's easy to lose people we start getting feedback report card well you know you can do this better this is not good enough this is good they get mad they get angry they, get, they drop the ball they give up but they're wrong they're wrong the Lord did a report card on the church. I know thy work. If pastor is not reporting you and telling you how you're doing things, come and ask him. He will tell you. 
You come far. You, you, you did initiatives. Am I doing okay? Is this up to standard? Can I do better? You know, that tell God you care. You're not in a maintenance program. You're in a leadership persuasion. You know it's a ministry. From meeting our letter today, it says first class. Now, it wasn't me that did work. It was you folks. You guys did the job. And they call it you guys work first class, top class. Now, i, I got to put it out there so you guys know that. You guys need to know how you're doing. So I can't keep it to myself. I said, well, oh, wow, that's great. I said, I can put it on the board so you all can read it. And those who are not here in the St. Albert at the basket, that's a first class. You guys need to know that. How did I do? Right? We ordered a McDonald's four and gun. It was short chain. <laughs> Everything wasn't in there. I tell them, they give it twice as much next time. Because they didn't want me to be dissatisfied. Look at this. Training the staff. Consumer service. Oh. I stayed somewhere. As soon as I got home, they wrote my letter. Give me my review. Who want a review? Tell us how it did. How was it? I ran a car at this hotel, airport. Gosh, did I meet, did I meet your expectation? Was there anything wrong? Was I short? Was I? Please tell me. You got to tell me that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm not going to lie to him. <laughs> I told the truth. But he wanted to know before I leave. He's, 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 he's badgering me. Because his future, he's trying to persuade me to come back. All right? You know, I called today, a place by mistake, in the wrong place, and asked him for the for the right place number, and they gave it to me. I thought, good sign. You didn't say it. None of my business, not my department. Right from the operator. They gave it to me. It's a sign of good training. And when I go back, I'm going to tell them, you've done well. I'm impressed. He said, that's not my department. That's somebody else. No, 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 no. No. All right? They tell me to go back to their place next time and function. All right? The in-store environment inside here. Right? Special events. We put those on. What? To harvest. Harvest. The canvas thing. We're harvesting. Some folks don't think we should have that. We can't live without it. Huh? And number 11, charitable activities. And number 12, the PR relationship. The 12 steps. All right? So... Our role as facilitators Pastor, you don't live forever nor do you but I don't care how much I preach if I didn't transfer what I know from God to somebody all my life here was in vain this building is not all it this is just part of it but what you put in people's heart. And what will people be able to do for God? Jesus had to leave those twelve. He had to. On the Mount of Olives. And for three and a half years he was with them. And he had no idea as a man what they were going to be doing. He just left them with, with, with all that training. All that what they saw. And they become facilitators church. They're influencers, facilitators, and leaders. As facilitators, they were enthusiastic, friendly, excellent listeners, able to think on their feet. They were also creating an atmosphere of trust. 
They were fostering participation. Others feel comfortable in their ministry, and they opened to ideas, and they were prepared. Number 10, what do you think is missing there? You feel it, man. So, what are we going to become for God? As a leader, provide the spark. As an influencer, bring about change. As a persuader, convert. As a facilitator, discipleship. As a Christian, always. I know if you have these things, and these things be in you, and these things be in you, you're bound to be promoted on your job. You're bound to become managers on your job. You're bound to become supervisors. You're bound to be elevated to, to great positions because your boss knows that these are what the company takes. All the oil can't do it. It's what you do. All right? Look at this here. Working. Thank you. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm, I just put on there. Very beautiful, sister. Working. Cell ministry. Acts 15. Your role is to be, as a facilitator, to be prepared, set a relaxed uh, atmosphere, establish the ground rules, identify your goals and your purpose, assist the group in being organized. Know, and keep them on track and select. That's your job. That's your job as a facilitator. Whether it's a, a call meeting, a business meeting, or whatever. You know, you do these things, alright? You as an organizer of that facilitator, as an organizer, you set the topic, you be a facilitator, you, you get participation, you set up the meetings, and you give the materials, and you be, you be prepared for what you're going to deal with don't do the last minute, you know. Some guys will do the last minute. Oh, my God. We can tell. We're not dumb. That your last minute, that's your doing. How much time did you put in your study? People can tell that. All right? And, and, and feedback. Now, you as a role, right? You as an organizer. And also, dealing with the circle. In the circle. You form a circle. Right? You're in the circle yourself. You provide the ground rules. You identify the goals. You perform, perform icebreakers, practice interaction. You, bring, you guide the discussion. Make sure there's a common ground for us to function. And summary, and you close. See, you have to know how to run this church. What if my wife and I don't come back? What are you going to do? What are you going to do, folks? Well, we don't know what to do. You're crazy. Come on now. All these years we've been teaching you, what are you going to do? You should know how to run this church. By now, you should know how to handle the visitors. You should know how to teach the message, to preach the message. You should know how. Yes. And the role of participants. You should know what they should be doing, what they should not be doing. Number one, be a willing participator. They should be attentive. They should be responsive, responsible, respect others. They should listen to others. They should take turn. They should be relevant. Right, and their inputs and their arguments, and they should uh, talk to the group. Right, they should obey the ground rules, take part, ask questions, engage. Look at that. So you see now, what I'm trying to say, God, God is equipping you. When God says, "Strengthen my brethren," that's what He means. Pastor Neil, go there and teach my people who are maybe a little in their own eyes, little in their own eyes. But they can accomplish great things like giants. You gotta say more? 
I bore you to death? Don't you think it took me a long time to do this? I could spend five minutes in church and send you home and you'd be content, even though I've been robbing you. When I was in college, we got two kind of instructors. One saved. We'd talk football, hockey, half of the church, class time. They'd go off to the bar, step off in the back of the street and go to the bar together. And there was one who kept us to the rules all the way. I know their names today. But the one I remember the most is the one that kept me to the rule. After I graduated, I realized who was the best teacher. The one that we didn't like the most. But demand the most from us. And kept us to the ground rule. That was the best teacher I ever had. And the ones that let me, what I feel like, I realized they were not acting my best interest. So, think big. Next five years. Will it mean if we live to see that long? I'm older than all of you guys. If I live to see that long. Can we grow? Can we win our city? And can we increase? The answer is on the pew. It's up to you. Are there any questions? Our size does not keep us small. It's our thinking was paralyzed. Fear has what? On your side, it's easy. You got facts only and short. When it's on your side, you got to persuade. You got to what? Educate. It's hard. On your side, it's easy. We're trying to win others. There's a resistance. Are there any questions on this side? Besides, why are you so long-winded, Pastor? Well, God's still pumping into me. Anyone on this side? Come here, Zachary. If the Lord tarries, Zachary will be my age. There was a time when I was his age in churches like this, not realizing one day I'd be doing what I'm doing. Now, this, on this board won't last forever for Zachary to get up and see it. Unless somebody captured it or retained it. Or unless the archive kept it in the tapes. But he sure won't have it when he gets up there. But if somebody internalized it or it was in their heart in a book or somewhere, then he doesn't have to rebuild what's already built. Just clear the debris and get to it like Isaac did. Anybody on this side? Thank you, Zachary. Anybody on this side any questions? On this side. Oh, is this, is this a morgue or is this a church? Pretty quiet. Are you guys Pentecostals? Anybody on this side, anybody? Aliyah, what do you think? Come here, Aliyah. She may not remember all this when she grew up, but she says, I remember him preaching about these things. Right, Leah? You don't know what she might become to Jesus. 
Hello? Hello? Never know. Never know. A little girl saved the life of Paul. Or the boy, I think, or a girl, when they try to conspire to kill him. They told the soldier what was going to happen. And saved his life. Thank you, young lady. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, give us the power of influence that we may be able to influence our environment, this world for Jesus. We're in the last days. If Tim Martin 